Welcome to the Future of Protein Production Podcast. In this series, we will explore the technological advancements that are shaping alternative proteins. From cultured meats to plant-based proteins, we will talk to experts and innovators who are working towards a more sustainable, efficient, and kind protein production system. Join us as we dive into the exciting possibilities and challenges of the alternative protein production industry in the years to come. Welcome to this April-May 2023 edition of Protein Production Technology International. And for this feature on alternative seafoods, we're pleased to be speaking with Christopher Leclerc, who is the CEO and co-founder of Loki Foods. Um, they're a startup that we featured in our news last August uh, after a significant raise was announced. Um, we believe that the company formed last year is the first in Iceland to be producing plant-based seafood. And as Christopher will no doubt detail, they're starting that journey with an alternative Atlantic cod fillet. So first off, Christopher, how did you get into this food tech space? Yeah, so I've, I've been a, a plant-based vegan consumer for what, seven to 16 years, 17 years. Before then, I, 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 you know, I stopped eating animals about 20, over 20 years ago. Um, my background is I have a master's and PhD in public health or epidemiology. So there's a lot of focus in, in food and environmental health. And then as time went on, um, I, I progressed very quickly into uh, uh, biotech. And so I was working with health tech, med tech companies, uh, even some type of pharmaceuticals and research organizations. Um, and so this, this was a, with, with my whole life, this was a sort of a, a natural progression into things. Um, and so about a few years ago, I, I started to have this idea about doing the world's best alternative seafood from the seafood capital of the world. No one consumes more seafood per capita than Iceland. Um, so the bar for seafood is incredibly high. Also the bar for, for plant-based is incredibly high. We have the world's largest fully vegan, um, uh, uh, grocery store it's actually here in Iceland. Um, and so that's around that time. I'm my co-founder who's, um, a, a food scientist by training, um, a, uh, professor and researcher at the university of Iceland. Um, and that started more of the professional maneuvering and melting into, into food tech. Right. And, and what was the inspiration behind you starting Loki itself? I mean, where did the name come from first off? Yeah, so you know, most people know uh, if they know Loki, they know Loki from from the Marvel series, right? But Loki, Loki itself, or himself, or themselves, they're they are the trickster god in Old Norse mythology, and um, Loki was uh, respected, but not always very popular amongst the the main gods or the powers that be, and and that's because he just didn't go again, you know, with with the same rhythm that they wanted, which was you know um uh falling in line to a system that was only working just for a select few and so so much so that he, he played a central role in in the 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 end of that world system or the end of the world and that was called ragnarok that was the that was the event around it um and it wasn't the end of the world uh ultimately it was just relatively the end of something that wasn't working and and brought about the demise of of most of the gods who were essentially exploiting the whole system just for their gain and um, then bringing about it the shift for, for for the benefits of a greater majority. Um, so the name uh, found found its way to us uh, rather uh, serendipitously um, through co-founder's girlfriend, who has a background in, in Old Norse studies, and uh, it just fits perfectly with what we're doing. Um, he was also yeah. a shapeshifter, so he, he turned into many forms. He actually turned into salmon once to outrun Thor. So, okay, I mean, looking at the bigger picture, why did you pursue, uh, pursue seafood as opposed to, you know, a different animal-based protein? 
Yeah. You know, if you look at, if you look at, uh, meat, dairy, chicken, fish, uh, and the alternative options for it, uh, seafood is, is certainly not the lowest hanging fruit. You know, you've, if you've done one species, if you've done one species of fish, for instance, they do salmon. Well, whatever ingredients go into that to make it a good nutritional profile, great functionality, nice texture is just not going to work for whitefish. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, if you're, if you're looking at the lowest hanging fruit, um, you know, you're, you're gonna, you know, if you have a pea protein, you can make minced beef and you can do the same thing with a burger and then you can just run the gambit on, on cattle related products with fish. It's just not like that. It's with seafood. It's not like that either, you know, so you can make something that's kind of like a white fish. Well, then if you're, if you're sticking to seafood, how, well, how, how are you going to do caviar? That's totally different. Or, you know, how are you going to do salmon? That's a different too, or roe or, um, you know, just down the line. Um, and so when, when we looked at the challenges ahead and the, the absolute existential need for addressing, uh, seafood with better alternatives that are healthy for you and healthier for the planet than the status quo of conventionally sourced. So fish farming itself is, is the, the math behind that. It doesn't make sense either for sustainable environments. Um, certainly not, it's not healthy for the fish as well. Um, and then at the same time, the wild caught is, is helped to create the mess that we're in and, you know, something to the effect of 90% of all fish species are on the brink of destruction or, or almost gone. Um, the, the reefs are destroyed. Um, if you, if you think about the plastics in the ocean, it's something the, the vast majority of plastics in most part of the world are actually coming from fishing nets not coming from plastic straws or plastic bags. Mm -hmm. Of course, it all makes a dent and and helps. And, um, you know, and I like to say that if you, if you, if our, if our land was in the same state of affairs, the ocean, we would already be living in a dystopian society. Mm -hmm. Right. And so what that means is, you know, products themselves won't convert people so much. People, people change their behaviors almost wholly as a result of of some type of internal conviction for why they need to, either it's their own health or it's sustainability. And, and usually that comes in through conversations with their loved ones, their kids, their family, their friends, um, or their own type of research, right? It's not, they're not walking in all of a sudden they see a, a plant-based fish in a store and they're like, oh, I'm not gonna eat fish anymore, right? They may not even try it as a result of it, but that, that type of shifting the mental shifting is coming from the, the secular trends of the society and culture we're living in. You know, so their their local culture, but then also the one globally, and then that is then facilitated by whether or not they have options for it. Um, so we see here in Iceland, we have a huge plant based community here. It's massive, um, and most of them consume fish five to seven days a week. They've made a shift. Most of them have made a shift away from that, with no viable, highly functional, good, delicious, nutritious, plant based fish alternatives at all on the market. There's just there aren't really any here. I mean, there have been in the last couple of months, but they're like fish nuggets, you know, they're, they're not something you'd cook on a pan and, and have a fish dinner. And they made that transition, that shift without these products in place. The products themselves are not meant to, you know, if you, if you, if you want to emulate fish completely, well, you're going to have to do cultivated, you know, you have to grow in the lab. And that's, that's one of our aims too, of course. But if you're, if that's the products themselves are not there to convert anyone yet, the conversion happens steps before that. Right. Um, and so. The, the for us the inspiration is knowing that we are in the seafood capital of the world supplying one and a half to two percent of the global catch um 50 of that value of that catch is coming from white fish and cod specifically 
so much so that we call it white gold in the North Atlantic, in Iceland and, and other parts of the North Atlantic. And if a half degree change in the temperatures around the oceans of, of Iceland happens, which will happen, then cod is going to migrate away from the shores of Iceland. There's no amount of sustainability that a fishery can do or a government can do, especially not a local small one like this, that's going to stop that, right? And so the the owning up of, a, okay, if you want to be the leaders of seafood, how do we do this? What are the realities that we have to face and, and how, we can, how we can get there? And alternative seafood, alternative fish is is exactly one of those those options and avenues to, to help seafood survive here. Yeah. Well, I guess that's why you're focusing on cod first, it being, it being so important to the to the community there in Iceland. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I mean, in terms of uh, the conservational problems of cod, you mentioned there that the, the, the temperature increase is going to see the fish migrate from that area. Um, you mentioned microplastics. Um, there was a, a big announcement last week, I think, in terms of um, ocean um, protection. I don't know if you saw that. Um, so it looks like uh, lots, lots, lots of countries are actually starting to take this seriously because, yeah. you know, as you say, the, the oceans are in a in a really bad state. I mean, in terms of um, product development, um, what have your been your biggest challenges that you face so far, and, and how, for instance, do you overcome some of those? Well, you know, if you if you think about fish as such a tricky thing to emulate in plants, but no, you have what well, you have taste, texture. Um, so there's mouthfeel in there, you have functionality, you have nutrition, then you have appearance, you know, you have a lot of things. Um, and if you look at the different alternative seafood companies that have, that exist now, but also the ones that are coming or the ones that have announced themselves, you can see that some have decided to pick, uh, perhaps, um, a fish that's a little bit easier to do. Um, so, you know, if you, if you use pea protein, for instance, it's going to have a more of a, a salmon type of hue to it color wise um and then it gives you a good protein profile and then you have to then if you do some type of extrusion then you can make the appearance look like it but you know what you're going to lack in is is most likely is it's going to be the texture element of it mm -hmm. um and then also probably some some um functionality components too and we've heard this some you know that some of them are doing salmon to kind of taste like oatmeal in terms of texture right um but when you're when you're trying to develop a fish analog and some things have to give and with plants some things have to give for us we chose to develop from the stance of functionality and nutrition and um, we knew that then texture will fall in line with that very quickly and we were able to do that just within our first months of developing uh, yeah. with with early early prototypes with our with our first product white fish of course all every single every, but how we're developing you know nutrition functionality and then texture because taste is an easy one. Taste is easy for fish. I mean, right. in most parts of the world would prefer fresh fish. So the fresher the fish, the less fish taste it has. Of course, novel products like alternative seafood, while well, you, you need to maybe remind people that it's fish of it. And so putting in that taste of a fish experience will be sort of, there's going to be a, a, a fine balance there, right? But if, you, if we were to put a, a, even a high fish taste into our products here in Iceland, people wouldn't like it. Because they grew up eating fish, fresh fish, yeah. right? And so they grew up not having the taste of fish. And so now you're, you're building something that is a very similar experience as fish, but then all of a sudden it tastes like fish. It's like, okay, well, you know, there's emulation there. So, um, that for us, we, we started with nutrition and, and 
and the the the, the functionality in the kitchen as being mm -hmm. most important. Yeah. Um, in terms of that nutrition, I mean, how do you actually engineer that into a into a plant based product? Because there's that balance, isn't there, between the number of ingredients in a product um, yeah. versus you know trying to mimic the real thing. Yeah, that's right. You know, um, Bjorn, so my co-founder Bjorn, he's, you know, a food scientist. He's worked with PepsiCo. He's worked with huge organizations globally on product development and, and research development. Um, and he's been teaching actually his graduate students how to make more, how to focus on sustainable, uh, food. And so with a, with a sustainability focus, and I think just his experience and how he just senses into how to develop this made his intuition sort of gravitate towards the, not just the right proteins, but the, the right lens of it to help, you know, balance this high protein, low carb, low fat, uh, uh, filet, you could call it, um, that is also low, uh, contains few ingredients. So it's something that is close to what we would consider clean label. Yeah. And it's, um, I think being able to sense into that was, was good. You know, we, we've tried more conventional off the shelf protein sources just to see, and you know, uh, it just, it, it comes down to finding the right blend and balance there. Yeah. I mean, you, um, mentioned before that, um, you, you've been working with restaurants and you're hoping to have some in retail later in the year. Um, obviously working with those restaurants and chefs, presumably that functionality, um, aspect, how you cook it and how it, how it cooks is, is really important as well. Yeah, it is. It's, it's, it is super important. You know, we don't, we don't want to, to a point, we don't want to dictate how it's used. Mm -hmm. Um, of course, all, all foods you buy have some type of, you know, you have to use it a certain way to it, to, to an extent, um. But for us, you know, the, the classic way of consuming, of cooking cod in Iceland is actually the, the filet itself is on a pan with mm -hmm. onion, you know, cooked with, with oil and butter. And so the fish taste is kind of like with dows. And so for us starting there, but also then developing something that can be battered and deep fried and served as the most ideal vegan fish and chips you could possibly imagine. Um, and so that, that, that functionality and working with chefs, but also working with people. I mean, that's, that has to be the non-chefs <laughs> that's, that has to be kind of the go-to like is, is, is this, you know, you can develop products that can, you know, you can make it look great in your early stage developments. And, you know, as long as a chef is working with it, it's great, but this mm -hmm. sort of needs to be more or less easy enough that someone can have a fish meal, a vegan fish meal just within 15 minutes by themselves and not be a chef. That's very important. Yeah. I mean, I, I went to a, an exhibition last November um, in London. I think it was uh, Plant Based World Expo, and I, I tasted some fish alternatives there. And I must admit, I was blown away. Um, that there was a, a smoked salmon that was just unreal. There was a tuna that was fantastic. Um, yeah, I mean, it's just a, a, the technology is improving all the time. The ingredients is improving all the time, and you know, people like me just wouldn't know the difference. Um, I mean, we'll come on to the consumer and in a moment and uh you know their acceptance of it but uh this whole space especially in seafood it's a it's a close-knit community and you probably keep an eye on developments elsewhere in your sector oh is there anything from another company out there that's really impressed you and, and why would that be something you've tasted or seen and just thought wow yeah um that is there's a lot you know um 
we you know, where it's Steph certainly falls like you said uh where where most of us are are on first name basis um good terms there's even a whatsapp group for for founders of, <laughs> of alternative seafood companies is um, really <laughs> yeah yeah i you know i'm i'm i i'm a big fan of of plantish okay so uh, they haven't had a launch just just yet but i'm a big fan of them um because of the, the reasons for starting this is very much aligned with why we started this too, which is, you know, uh, vegan for the environment and animals, of course, but, you know, certainly vegan for plant-based for, uh, uh, the environment and OFAC and the other founders, that's why they started this, you know, they have a background in this and they don't sleep for this, you know, in the face of this, this turbulent market time, right. Um, companies like us just, we're not going to go away and plantish is the same, you know, even if they're, even if in struggling to, you know, because it was hyperinflation and, and market conditions and stuff where, you know, face of funding problems that's come up, some companies may have those that are still building in the face of it all are the ones that are, are very high high in my list of, of respect there. Uh, product wise, the ones that are on the market, um, I've, we've, we're fans of hooked. We like hooked. Um, we say that's more fun seafood than what we would consider actual seafood. Um, or what ice centers would consider actual seafood, you know, like fish fingers or shredded salmon, or even uh, tuna that you would put in a tuna sandwich. Not really what Icelanders consider to be uh, a, a high bar of seafood, but at the same time, they're getting products out there. They're getting people thinking about it, they're getting people trying it um, and experiencing it. Um, yeah. And and then of course, I, I would say another one is is uh, Revo Foods. Um, I, I love just the energy they put into into the products they're putting out there. You know, we believe that salmon is salmon and tuna. Will, while we're, we're going to have products from those later on, they they weren't the lowest hanging fruit. We believe they're easier to do. Tuna certainly, in terms of texture, it's easy, and then salmon is a little bit easier because you can hide it by calling it smoked. Um, and tuna, you can the texture is it's just different than what you'd expect whitefish to be if you're cooking it on the pan. Um, yeah. Again, it's it's a it's a small group of us. But there's a lot of respect for for all that are for ever for everyone that's helping to, you know, raise the tide, not just profit from the tide. Sure, sure. Well, all three of those companies are going to be in this feature with you. You know, Plantish. Oh, great. Um, yeah. and uh, and Revo Foods. I guess the the method of Revo's production is quite interesting with its three D three D printing to create that sort of structure of a of a fillet. Um, Okay, we're going to come on to the consumer now, and, and that is obviously always one of the barriers. I mean, there's regulations and there's funding and there's all of these challenges that you guys face. Um, but um, how are the consumers um, and traditional fish producers, how are they reacting to uh, this whole new field of plant-based and fermentation-derived and salag seafood? Uh, you know, the majority of consumers don't really know. Um I would say those that are on the that are on the kind of the outskirts or the extremes of it, the extremes. I mean, the the at the outliers are those that are you know became vegan or plant based many many years ago. You know when there were no options for anything, right? Um, the way food food is is you know the it's the the main and major food companies around the world. It's they they more more or less operate as distribution channels and financial services companies, right? So it's, it's not so much, they're not so much dictating to a point, they're not so much dictating what consumers, what they want consumers to have to, to a point they are for sure. 
But in terms of trends of, of people wanting to reduce their meat intake or fish intake, um, and to, you know, consume less dairy, uh, that's not really a, a more or less, that's not really a narrative that's being pushed from the top, right? That's bottom up. And so what happens is then over time, these, the, the main distribution channels, which are these, the main food, food companies, um, you know, they haven't been really doing much innovation they, you know, they acquire companies like us. And once the consumers have sort of pushed a certain bar of this is what we want, well, then those companies come in, buy or partner com with companies like us, and then they plug it into the distribution channel. And that's just how things go. And you, you can apply that same, um, algorithm to, to basically all sectors, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, it's, it's just how things are. Um, consumers themselves that we've been working with, um, by far and large love what we're doing. So they're not just vegans. They're also people that have fish allergies and they're not just people that have fish allergies. They're also people that just consume fish and are a little bit more sensitive to it. And here in Iceland, there's been a waking up over the last couple of years, um, to just the state of the ocean and perhaps how, you know, we had this big uptick with, with fish farming, particularly as it relates to salmon. Uh, it seems to be very difficult to do with cod for, for, or just their soccer focus. Um, and all of the, the information that's coming out about the, certainly the, the health of the fish so much so that they have to die, you know, die. Um, and you know, the, the, how they, how they live, their quality of life, but then also the, the, uh, the effects that it has on the land itself and the water use, antibiotic use, pesticide use, all that. Um, you know, it's just a matter of time before this new paradigm of, of educated and informed consumers just starts to say rather no to that right there will be market for that but um you know the slow waking up is 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 one that we're seeing consumers are becoming more and more engaged and responsive to this um you know fisheries themselves um it's a that's going to be a little bit more tricky fishing is a very it's a cutthroat low margin industry fishermen themselves don't make much money and same with dairy farmers, they don't make much money, right? It's the ones that are sort of owning the top of it, owning the quotas and plugging it in and selling it to, to grocers are the ones, right? The others run at even razor thin margins. Fishermen know very well, especially here in Iceland, that one year they just may not even have an income, right? And they just have to go do something different. And so they, they, we, they, everyone, for the most part, most people know what's going on, right? It's just the, the, the how to achieve how do we, how do we, in a, in a new paradigm of a sustainable environment that is also enabling a regenerative planet, how do we go about that? Right. So that we can still have seafood, for instance, you know, and, and I think a huge aspect of that and what we're going to see in the next five to 10 years is, is just a total acceptance of, of the future of food, which is, um, if you think about it, I'm just talking about in terms of animal based or animal derived ingredients. Um, all of it is going to be replaced, right? Yeah. It's got to be replaced with plant-based fermentation and cultivated. So that's everything from whole cut steak all the way down to gelatin and ingredients used in cosmetics and pharmaceuticals. Yeah. Well, it's a generational thing, isn't it? I guess, um, generations alpha and gen Z that they're going to be more yeah. in tune to these sorts of products in the future. So it's going to take time, like you say, um, price is, uh, another, another issue. I mean, I'm, I'm often at the supermarket and perusing those aisles, that plant-based um, section of the aisle and it gets bigger and bigger um, but um, 
there's quite a long way to go before we can really achieve proper price parity. I mean, what is the um, situation with, you know, your part of the market, fish? <clears throat> you know, the, the price of fish is, it varies according to where you are in the world. Um, but, you know, everything's going up in prices. Everything always does go up in prices, right? And um, we, we firmly, I firmly believe that the price of, plant-based options uh, will be cheaper uh, than the conventional options very soon. <laughs> um, and that's just, you know, in a, in, a, in a world that we are, that governments are doing what they can to enable sustainable sustainability, um, subsidizing industries and sectors that are the opposite of that while then they're spending money on sustainable measures just doesn't make sense, right? And so over time, as these subsidies are removed, these externalities are also factored in, be it, you know, carbon emissions, uh, the dumping of plastic nets into the ocean, the bike bycatch that happens and is wasted. Um, all these things, once all that starts to get factored in more and more, and then all the inputs into, to, you know, uh, uh, domesticated animals too, all those inputs of, of feed and water, everything that can just be more simplified and used into plant-based. Um, it's just a matter of time where that mass catches up. Um, if we want, if we want, if we want to be a part of the planet's party over the next few hundred years, you know, it, we have to adjust what we're doing. Planet will be fine. It'll fix itself, but whether or not it, it wants us involved is, is where we have to test ourselves. And then I, I believe, so I, I, I firmly believe just with our own products, we bring it back down to ground where we're doing, we're, we're, we're aiming for price parity with the price of cod as soon as we can. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, we're, we have a high quality product and we, we will have healthy margins by far. And at the same time, we're, we're, because we're innovative, few ingredients, um, uh, innovative in production as well. That's we. We, we have a lot of conviction that will be price parity with COD, um, just even where the prices are now, as soon as we can. Uh, but then of course we'll be by far price parity with, with the, the other high quality plant-based proteins that exist. Yeah. I mean, price parity is obviously one of the tipping points for these products to take off. Are, are there any others that you can identify? Um, you know, I, I would say it goes back down to goes back to nutrition. Nutrition, mm -hmm. we it, it, it just it just has to be um, giving options that are healthier, um, superior in nutrition. Like people generally associate fish as being healthy, very healthy. Um, I'd argue that it's not that healthy as as people consider. You know, obviously you can get you can get your EPA and DHA and omegas there, but the bioavailability, the absorption rate. That happens in there it's actually you get a higher absorption rate having algae which is regenerative and plant-based and that's actually where where different types of algae that's where fish get their omegas from um so being able to include that you know from the rather from the the source of it more from the source of of, of it than essentially the middleman which is fish that is just processing it right people talk about like oh you know plant-based is a little bit overly processed well so is meat right and and so is fish and, and chicken and everything. And if you actually know what happens to within the meat industry, 
about, you know, the whole processing of the meat itself to finally get to your table. Well, there's processing on top of the processing that animal is already doing with the source of the ingredients that we could just be eating ourselves and having our bodies process it. So, yeah. you know, that's uh, nutrition is a big one. You know, and, and just building that up there, the pedigree for consumers to understand. Mm -hmm. And uh, what's next for you guys? You, you've mentioned um, during the course of this interview, Selag is something you might be looking at uh, or yep. cultivated. Um, you've also talked about other species of fish as well. What, what's next? Can you give us any exclusives? Yeah, yeah. So we will be going after. Uh, we'll, we'll have a, a a strong fleshed out line of alternative seafoods across many different types of species of of just sea life, right? Uh, we will be moving on to other areas of uh, non-aquatic species life as well, plant-based side. Um, and uh, yeah, I can I can kind of give you that. Okay, 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 okay. Well, we'll have to come back to you uh, as and when you um, make those announcements and uh, those next mm -hmm. breakthroughs. Christopher, thank you very much for joining us. Um, it's been thank fantastic. You. And uh, yeah, hope to see you soon and certainly sample some of your products. Thank you for listening to the Future of Protein Production Podcast. We hope you gained valuable insights and knowledge about the innovative technologies and practices that are transforming the way we produce protein. Don't forget to subscribe to Protein Production Technology International, our multimedia magazine, and follow us on social media to stay up to date with the latest news and updates. Stay tuned for more exciting episodes.